The topics and opinions expressed on the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4WN Radio. Radio Tony with Tony Lontis, author of Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty. Available now on Amazon.com and in all good bookstores. Radio Tony. Your safe space for tough conversations, exposing secrets and talking about trauma and recovery. Radio Tony. Building resilience. Talking Trauma. Radio Tony. Live from the Gold Coast, Australia. Radio Tony. Difficult conversations and bringing hope to listeners. Live from the Gold Coast, Australia on W4WN. Good evening, America. Good morning, Australia. It's back. You're back with your host, Tony Lontis, on Radio Tony. And uh, we're with a balmy 28 to 30 degrees, singlets, thongs and shorts kind of weather. And back here in my lovely little valley, it's uh, frosty mornings and minus digits and I'm freezing so I'm sitting here speaking to you in my Ugg boots and tracky jacks and a couple of coats and thinking, where's Barley gone? So, uh, hello to our wonderful rebel in the background, making sure I sound wonderful today. And um, since I'm back with Barley, I'm going to return to my usual world news. Later today, I'll be telling you about our wonderful... And before I do, if you want to jump on the website, w4wn.com, and send us uh, questions for our our guests today, Um, if you want to check out, jump on our website and check out uh, me, I'm tonylontis.com, T-O-N-I-L-O-N-T-I-S.com. You can follow me or message me on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. And so, what's making world news this little week? And since I've missed, there's quite a lot been happening in our world. Astrologers have found an exoplanet so rare that they've deemed it the forbidden planet. Technically known as NGTS-4b, the planet is three times the size of Earth, 20% smaller than Neptune. The planet has its own atmosphere, um, and it is hotter than Mercury with a temperature of 1,832 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, so that's interesting, obviously not habitable to humans. Over to the Mediterranean where a luxury super yacht owned by Italian an Italian billionaire was lost at sea after being it slipped from a cargo ship into the Mediterranean. I'd hate to be that ship's captain having to tell the owner that his yacht, the 40-metre Mysong uh, custom sailing yacht owned by 
of fashion hair um, and being transported between the Spanish island of Mallorca and the Italian city of Genoa um, was uh, lost at sea. The media reports are also supported by maritime tracking data. The US currently believes that Russia may be conducting low-level nuclear testing in violation of the monitorium um, on such tests. Negotiated in the 1990s, the Comprehensive Nuclear Test Ban Treaty enjoys worldwide global support but has yet to be ratified by eight remaining nuclear technology states and they include Israel, Egypt and the United States. So I find it interesting that the United States would be commenting on nuclear testing by Russia when they haven't indeed signed the treaty. Over to Missouri, where the state is the first to be without an abortion clinic. Its sole licensed centre is being forced to close after the introduction of this new draconian law banning abortion. Uh, the family planning charity spokesman, Dr Lena Wen, warned that politicians are passing law after law to intimidate women, including laws that would allow women to be investigated for miscarriages. It's a step back in time when, it, despite whether you're for or against abortion, where the government controls what can happen in a woman's body. Over to San Diego, where a San Diego hospital revealed the birth of a girl believed to be the world's smallest surviving baby who weighed just 245 grams. That's about 8.6 ounces. The baby, named Sabi, was born at 23 weeks. Um, Sabi's daddy was told that he had about an hour with her and that she was going to pass away. That hour turned into two hours which turned into a day, which turned into a week. Sabi spent five months in the neonatal intensive care unit before going home weighing a healthy five pounds or two kilos. Over to the Danube River in Hungary's capital of Budapest, where seven South Korean tourists died and at least 19 are missing. In a boat capsized after unseasonal heavy Rainfall, which has swollen the Danube River. Uh, the rain has led to strong currents in the Danube, and um, even though it's a popular uh, drawcard for tourists, the capsizing of the boat has halted procedures temporarily. Three more US Democrats have called for the impeachment of the embattled uh, President Trump after special counsel Robert Mueller made his first public remarks. On Wednesday, Mr Mueller said that his investigation had not exonerated Mr Trump. So let's repeat that. Mr Mueller said his investigation had not exonerated President Trump on obstruction of justice. Uh, Mr. Mueller was tasked with investigating Russian interference into the 2016 presidential election. But he said charging a sitting president with a crime was not an option. 
the issue of impeachment has divided the Democratic Party. Um, and so far, they have resisted the idea, arguing that it would be counterproductive and uh, kind of think that it would be to impeach a sitting president. In Israel, Israeli lawmakers have voted to dissolve parliament after the Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu failed to form a coalition government. The vote triggered a fresh election, which is led, uh, which will be held on the 17th of September. Mr Netanyahu was unable to reach a deal with the fresh right-wing coalition following last month's election. And it centres around an impasse related to the military conscription bill governing exemptions for ultra-Orthodox Jewish seminary students, um, which I dare say will continue. Um, in the first time in Israel's history that a prime minister-designate has failed to form a coalition, there seems to be a lot of interesting politics around the world in relation to elections and sitting presidents slash prime ministers. Uh, further to some of the US's controversial anti-abortion laws and Bob Iger from the CEO of Disney has said that it's becoming increasingly difficult to continue filming in the state of Georgia. Blockbusters like Black Panther and the Avengers Endgame were shot in the state recently due to its generous tax breaks for film productions. However, Mr Iger said many people who work for us will not work in Georgia and that will mean that the Disney films are no longer able to be filmed there. Earlier this month, month, Georgia's Republican governor, Brian Kemp, signed the so-called heartbeat bill, which would ban abortions as early as six weeks into pregnancy. In further news in London, Julian Assange is set to face a London court via video link today amid reports his health has deteriorated so severely in prison, in prison sorry, that he can hardly hold a conversation. WikiLeaks said in a statement that it had grave concerns about the condition of its founder, who has been moved to the health ward of Belmarsh Prison. The Australian computer programmer was arrested at London's Ecuadorian ambassador, uh, embassy in April after spending seven years holed up there to avoid charges against him. WikiLeaks said his health significantly deteriorated during this time under conditions that were incompatible with basic human rights. In Beijing, uh, it has dropped a bombshell in its escalating trade war with the United States. With one shot, it could shoot down the entire F-35 stealth fighter production programs, which would cripple Silicon Valley and could also send Apple into administration. In Indonesia, a tiny Indonesian village called Bengan, a photographer has made a worrying discovery about the rubbish that surrounds the island. Among the piles of waste, the photographer saw items from everyday Australians um, who uh, that everyday Australians would recognise in a heartbeat. The bright packaging of Coles and Woolworths products standing out like sore thumbs. 
His incredible pictures from the village of East Java show a flattened Woolies full cream milk carton and a discarded yellow Coles basmati rice packet, both being thousands of kilometres from Australia and concealed among recyclable paper scraps. Currently across the world, there are seven major outbreaks of measles. Measles is a disease that can kill but is preventable by vaccines. A widespread vaccination program has been successful at reducing the number of cases around the world, but the virus continues to occur in pockets. It is extremely contagious. The experts saying that the virus can linger in a room for several hours after an infected person has left. Um, so you can have the measles virus and not know you're actually about to come down with measles. So that's concerning in itself. While it remains a problem in some developing countries due to their healthcare systems, it is also on the rise in the West. And this is thought in part due to the anti-vaccination movement and suspicion over the effects of immunisation. Back to the US, where the country has suffered over 500 tornadoes in 30 days, leaving the US battered by twisters. It's a 40-year record broken in 12 days in a, um, a row uh, with at least eight tornado reports. America has been hit by these 500 in the last 30 days and the severe weather sweeping the US Midwest has injured hundreds and destroyed buildings, prompting areas of the country to be left like a war zone. Over to Bangladesh, where 16 people have been charged over the horrific murder of a teenager burned to death after reporting sexual harassment. The 19-year-old was doused with kerosene and set on fire on the roof of her Islamic school after she refused to withdraw a complaint against her headteacher. She died in hospital five days after the April 6th attack, with her death sparking mass protests across, across Bangladesh. And lastly today in World News, daytime talk show host Ellen DeGeneres has opened up about her sexual abuse she endured as a teenager at the hands of her stepfather. DeGeneres said she reported the reported abuse started when she was 15 or 16 after her mother, Betty, was diagnosed with breast cancer. And in an interview with David Letterman, uh, she discussed the um, abuse and the fact that her mother did not believe her. Uh, she said that she was angry with herself because she was weak and did not stand up. It was a really horrible, horrible story. And the, the only reason that DeGeneres is now going into detail about the situation was so that other girls would speak up and tell someone. So that it's really important this morning that anyone who has suffered any form of abuse tell someone. In the first instant, just tell someone. So before I throw to the break, I just thought I'd tell you about my wonderful guest today, uh, Greg Reed, who authors books under the name of C.T. Mitchell, has 12 Amazon best-selling uh, 
is the author of sorry is the author of 25 mystery short reads and novels with a thriller edge he's a recipient of the 2017 reader's choice awards for his novel murder street uh, CT was street-educated, Australian-born, and has travelled the world as a real estate negotiator, encountering many interesting characters, some outright crooks. He brings these experiences as well as a love for mystery thrillers to his writing. So, after the break, I'll be introducing you to the wonderful CT Mitchell or Greg Reed. Over to you, Rebel. Radio Tony, bringing social consciousness this time every Thursday evening, live from the Gold Coast, Australia, on W4WN. Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty, is the new book from Australian author Tony Lontis. Available in paper, ebook, and audiobook formats, Resilience is the true life story of Tony experiencing and surviving trauma, abuse, mental health issues, and the ultimate betrayal of someone she fell in love with. Exposing moral issues you may have dealt with too. Read how hope and happiness triumph in her life. Available at Amazon.com and all good online retailers. Radio Tony with Tony Lontis, author of Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty. Available now on Amazon.com and in all good bookstores. Hello, Greg. How are you? Tony, I'm feeling absolutely fabulous on this uh, chilly uh, Brisbane morning. <laughs> it is rather chilly. It was a bit of a shock this morning, I can tell you, when I woke up. So well, I'm just you just come back from readers. Bali. I know. The, the, the temperature shock's a little dramatic for me. <laughs> so before... Before I get on talking with Greg about it, I just wanted to tell our readers, um, Greg Reed um, publishes his books under the pen name of C.T. Mitchell, and he writes the Detective Jack Creek Mysteries, um, and also is the writer of Cozy Mysteries, that uh, softer crime solve by a nosy female amateur sleuth and Lady Margaret Turnbull is the main character in those mysteries. Um, Greg splits his time between Brisbane and Cabarita Beach and I have to tell our listeners that Cabarita Beach is just south of where we are now and it's a sleepy seaside village in northern New South Wales, Australia, a very beautiful part of the world. Um Greg uh, wasn't always as successful as he is today and he suffered terribly from bullying in his uh, teens, which we'll talk about later. Now, if you want to grab some of Greg's mystery bestsellers, visit his site, www.ctmitchellbooks.com. That's www.ctmitchellbooks.com, and I'll put that link up in uh, the chat at the end of the program. And so it was, it's been an immense pleasure for me to meet and become friends with Greg. His wealth of information about life, and publishing books and writing bestsellers has been invaluable to me and we've actually become really good friends. 
So, Greg, I'm going to call you Greg in the interview and know that our listeners, I'll keep uh, saying Greg, but our, our author today is C.T. Mitchell. So, Greg, where did it all begin? Uh, Tony, I've got to say it probably started uh, very much at, a, uh, at an early age. I was born at an early age. Yes. And uh, <laughs> yes. So that's a bit of Australian humour for our, uh, our friends over there in the States. But um, I always wanted to write books and subsequently, uh, after procrastinating for about 30 years, I eventually got started and I st- um, began to write. And uh, my mentor within a writing group, uh, basically told me that one of the good things I should do is get myself a pen name. So what I did is I tried to think of something that suited uh-huh. the genre, which is mystery crime books, etc. cetera. Yes. Um, yes. I went for a bit of anonymity by just making a couple of initials so that people couldn't guess whether I was male or yes. female. Um, and yes. if I, you know, completely flopped in the old crime, then maybe I could slip across to romance or sci-fi and whatever and no one would really know. But uh-huh. the name... Yeah. It's really the culmination of my three children's names, which are Kelvin, Taylor, and Mitchell. And so the uh, oh, the author, so C.T. Mitchell, was born. Mitchell. Yeah. Uh-huh. Very tricky. So I've got some questions from our wonderful listeners already. Um, uh-huh. The first, what brought you uh, to write? So I think, do you want to expand on that a bit more before we get on to the next questions? What brought what me to writing? What actually uh, did bring you to write? So what brought me into writing was basically uh, yes, uh, yes. just that urge, I suppose. I, I had a little bit of a creative streak um, probably from my early days. I used to work in real estate, not necessarily selling a traditional home and whatever. I used to sell a property that was not even built. Uh, they were, used to call that oh. off-the-plan selling. So I had yes, to be yeah. creative in how I describe things, how I um, – you know, painted the pictures for people. So there was always a little bit of a creative kind of thing in me. Um, I loved writing uh, blog posts, articles, that kind of thing, and it used to be centred around real estate predominantly. But um, as I said, I yeah. wanted to get into writing a book, writing a novel. Um, and I think probably like maybe a lot of listeners who are on here today, you know, I procrastinated for yes. a long, long time to do that. Yeah, yeah. And then once you got started, you just kept, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Another question from a listener, how do you develop your characters? Uh, My characters are probably observations, I suppose, in around what I've seen, uh, really. Um, Yeah, my central characters within um, uh, the Detective Jack Creed series, I mean, Creed himself is a fairly anti-establishment uh, 50-something kind of guy that sort of rubs his bosses yeah, up the yeah. wrong way, uh, which has unfortunately uh-huh. you know, stifled his promotional um, activities within the police force, gets him into a fair bit of trouble. Uh, and yeah. conversely, he's got a partner which is completely the opposite to him. So so Jack wouldn't uh-huh. like being um, seen in a typical police car. He drives a 67 Mustang as his preferred ride. But Joe Boston uh, Wright is sounds his, perfect. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, she's sidekick. Um, 
Well, she's a sidekick, um, but she's also, yeah. as I develop my books, becoming fairly um, dominant uh, also within the series. I mean, she's almost at an equal stage in uh-huh. in title stage. In fact, I'm going to be writing a couple more yes. books down the track that will feature um, Joe as the lead detective, and I'll have Jack maybe out on holidays or something like that while she goes about solving the crime. So she's oh, an important part of the duo. Really good. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Uh huh. So she'll come to the forefront a bit more in your continuing writing then yeah my very next book uh, which um i'm it's in it's in a work mode stage the working title at the moment is called the barber yes yes um Uh i've got jack away on uh, some annual leave and joe is now in in charge and it's uh, happening again in our good old favorite place as you and i know cabarita beach um Excellent. Joe Joe's going to be leading that case and, and solving uh, that particular murder with a few twists along the way, no doubt. Uh-huh. So does if Jack's on holidays, does Joe contact Jack at all or Jack's completely out of the story, do you think? Um, in the initial stage, Jack's ringing in because he can't help himself. Uh, you know, he, uh, he's yes. one of these uh-huh. guys who can't let go. He's got to check yes. in on things that they're okay. That sort of annoys Joe a bit because she's coming through the ranks. Her skill set has got a lot better. When she first started, she had no experience in, in murder um, yes. investigations. But now, uh-huh. you know, uh, if the readers ever get a chance to have a look at uh, my current book, Murder Secret, it is actually Joe Boston yes. Wright is, is the person who – it's the smallest clue that goes on to break the case. Um, so uh-huh. in, in the barber, um, she leads the case. She very rarely will contact Jack at all, uh, except to perhaps at the very end uh-huh. of the book. Excellent. That mm. sounds real. I can't wait to read that one. <laughs> so um, <laughs> one of our listeners is another question. What category is a short read book? Okay, um, short reads is part of uh, the Kindle uh, section on on your Amazon. So if you're yes. if to go into Amazon, um, there's Amazon yes. Store. Uh, sorry, there's Kindle mm-hmm. Store. Uh, there are Kindle eBooks, yes. uh, and there's also yes. Kindle Short Reads. Now, short uh-huh. reads are based on the time it takes to read and also the page count. So there are various sections yes. that start off at 15 minutes, 30 minutes, um, one hour. 90 minutes and two hours uh, for a reading time, uh-huh. and that varies anywhere yes. between 15 pages to about 100 pages, for example. Okay. Um, so as you write a book and it falls within that category, Amazon, or Amazon Kindle in particular, yes. takes that yes. particular short read and places it mm-hmm. within a section. So I might be in the mystery thriller uh, suspense genre at the 90 90- Yes. minute mark or the two hour mark. Uh, okay. It's a highly competitive market. There are in excess of uh, eight hundred thousand books right. in those areas. So. Um, oh wow. Yeah. So your short reads but, um, yeah. are the one of the best short reads for people seeking mystery thriller reads. Am I correct? Yeah. That that well according yeah. according to uh, Kindle and whatever. According who, to uh, Amazon. Very, According to Amazon, who have been very generously yes. uh, have given me uh, a, over a dozen of these, have hit number one um, 
on Amazon in yes. America and in the UK in that particular category I've just mentioned, mystery thriller genre, uh, even to the point, yeah. and we, we might discuss this, about selling some very big authors. So I think we probably mentioned that yeah. down the track, but um, uh, yeah. it's a... It is a That's great section. That's very impressive, Greg. It must be very satisfying for you to be able to write something that people will readily read. Um, and the idea around uh, short reads um, is a great one because people are so time-starved these days. Um, and the ability to zone out for a couple of hours and read a good mystery is um, a great idea. Um, so I thought this morning too that we just you're very successful now and have this this wonderful life but it's not always been so and I know that um, in your teenage years you had a terrible time with bullying so I'm wondering if we can just tell our listeners a bit about your bullying in high school Greg. Yeah sure um, let me try and uh, I suppose try and and set the scene for yourself, set the scene for uh, for your listeners. Yes, yes. Uh, my, my teenage years uh, were, were the 1970s. And uh, if you've yes. got any listeners in around that uh, era, they kind of know that it was long hair, tie-dye shirts, flared jeans, uh, yes. rock and roll of Led Zeppelin and the Rolling Stones. Yeah, all those yeah. kind of things. And we, um, we lived in a very open and free-spirited kind of decade. And I was, at the time, as a teenager... Uh, growing up in regional Queensland um, in a very yes. small country town, country town of about 35,000 people, for example. Um, so we, yeah. we know all the, yeah. the things about that. Everyone in the town knows each other, so to speak. Um, yes, yes. I was the son of, uh, uh, of a man, obviously my father, um, yes. who yes. was born just at the end of World War I, uh, he grew up in the Depression. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was orphaned yeah. and um, yeah. he led a very conservative life and he, he tried his very best as a family man and, you know, went to uni and failed over and over and over again and finally got his degree and became yeah. an accountant. But he was a stickler for tradition and being whatever. So the conflict came for me yes. uh, being a son of an older yes. parent um, that mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. didn't didn't conform to the rest of the of the 1970s ideology. I didn't have long hair. Uh, I didn't wear tie-dye yes. shirts. I didn't wear jeans, particularly into the city, and all these yes. kind of things. And I kind of stood out uh, against the rest of my schoolmates. So I left yeah, my yeah. primary school years at the age of 12 and started my high school at 13 uh, through to 17 yes. um, with my very best mate, in my primary school days, sort of overnight, turning against me. And oh, he yes. started to get a few little mates of his along the side and all the little things started. Um, you know, the name calling yes. and all that kind of stuff. Now, in the 1970s, it was unlike today where we had, you know, access to people and counsellors and, you know, talking about these issues because they're so much more prevalent and more um, in in the media today. Yes. Um, and, of course, I never had social media or any of those sort of things that I think also fuel bullying and things like that today as well. Yes. So it was yes. kind of like, you know, suck it up, boy, um, get tough, get yourself yeah. through it uh, and, you know, whatever. But 
it was a relentless thing. It was a daily attack, and yeah. it just got worse and worse. And by the time I, I'd finished uh, my first year of high school and went into the next two, which were for, for us here in Australia is called grade nine, grade ten, uh, it was quite horrific. Yeah. Um, and there was, you yeah. know, being picked on and taunted and name-calling stuff yes. and, and, and all those sort of things. And it just, you know, I suppose it upset me to the point that I sort of wanted to give up and walk away. My schooling mm. uh, still went okay, but not yeah. peaking as much as even my grade eight years. The interesting thing came, mm-hmm. the interesting thing I think came for me um, was, was around the fact that, and I think it's a good message in some ways for bullying today, is yes. that um, I, after a lot of torment, a lot of upset, you know, a lot of tears and crying and all this sort of yes. stuff. Again, which for a boy yes. is not not a, not a good image to have either. That's which yeah. obviously fueled more of it. Yeah. What I decided to do was that I needed to take the bullies head on, because I just I yes. thought and probably had discovered that bullies are only uh, people who lack a lot in character themselves and not as strong as they make out yes. to be. They need to have a a structure yes. around them to make them prop them up, and they yeah. get away by watching you hurt. Uh, however, if you, yes. you turn all that on, the, on your ears, as, as fearful as that is, and I was very fearful of trying to take on a bully, uh, mm-hmm. I decided I would make attacks. So one day um, I said, and this again, I said bullies come in packs, they come in groups because they're not strong enough they normally do. to take yep. something yep. on. I uh, picked out the leader of the pack and I just uh-huh. basically said to him, I'll see you around the back uh, of the hall at uh, 3.30, which was after school today, and we're going to sort this out. And I meant we're going to have a fight. So I called the fight. Um, He was all probably, I don't know. Which was very brave for a... Yeah, I was about probably 14, 15 years old at the time. Um, And I just, I said, I'm going to have this out. This is a simple was that and I did he turned up he had had a gang of mates and they were all egging him on and whatever but here's the interesting thing he didn't turn up by himself no 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 he bought all these other people around and they were you know for one of the better words the tougher tougher kids at school these are the kids who could really fight and 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 do well I mean in in um Years gone by, you know, a lot of those kids who were stood in that group that day, many of them have ended up in jail for, uh, you know, fighting and crimes wow. and whatever else. Um, but yeah. this particular fellow who was all of a sudden the leader, yes. it was very quickly I discovered he actually couldn't fight at all. He had no thing behind him. I thought he wow. must have been, you know, in my head some probably a bit like the Fonz maybe. <laughs> there was always yes, the image yes. he could be tough, yes. but there was no yeah. toughness there. So we, we we sort of had a bit of a fight and let's let's be honest, I'm no fighter either. So I'm throwing punches that are missing yeah. him and he's throwing punches that are missing me and we went on and on <laughs> this for about five or ten minutes and ultimately, um, you know, he, he decided we're, we're going to call this quits. And from that moment onwards, that was the last yeah. bit of bullying I got for them and that team. It never happened again after that, and it, wow. it gave me a very strong lesson. I think it's a lesson today, and I said it's harder today because yes. there is social media and people get tormented yeah. and whatever, but to confront yes. the bully yeah. head on, um, yes. and I think I've seen a number of you 
YouTube videos on these sort of things. I'm not advocating that people go out and fight yes. and do all that kind of stuff, but you need to stand up for yourself. No. Um, yes. You need to believe in yourself and then forcefully, um, you know, protect yourself in that kind of manner. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. luckily uh, that was a good a good outcome for you, wasn't it, um, if it stopped the bullying and improved school life uh, for a little bit longer? Yeah, um, well, well. So you left – sorry, Greg. No, you're right. Sorry. <laughs> so you left school at 15, am I correct? No, no. I, or did I you went go on, – you went on to grade 12? I went on to grade 12, graduated, and uh, yes. yeah, that was in, I said, North Queensland. Um, yes. I was obviously, even though the bullying kind of stopped, I was, I was sick of being in a small town. And when I made my applications yeah. to go to, um, to university, I made that in Brisbane, which is, for our listeners, uh, about 1,800 miles away, 1,000 odd kilometres away. Um, it takes you 20 odd hours to drive in a car. Yeah, I wanted to get a long way yeah. from home. So the applications were made purely for Brisbane, and that's where I got in, and I went to uh, to uni down here in Brisbane and uh, studied accounting um, yeah. back yeah. then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you didn't actually go on to do accounting. You actually went into real estate, didn't you? Well, I, I was three-quarters of the way through my accounting degree, and I had got kind of itchy feet. Um, it's something I still suffer a little yeah. bit today, this old shiny object kind of thing. Yes. And my, I got a job as a stock uh, share broker. Uh, I used to work on the mm -hmm. uh, Brisbane Stock Exchange as what they call an operator. Yeah. I worked for a company and I would buy and sell shares on behalf of clients and we would screen the shares yeah. out to a Chalky and he would write it on the board. So all that kind of exciting stuff. To, to a smaller degree that you see on TV about the New York Stock Exchange. I was one of those guys, yes. so-called running around in those funny-looking jackets yeah. they have on, um, screaming out yeah. prices. And uh -huh. I thought that was going to be my career. I thought I was going to become an internationally right. famous businessman <laughs> in shares or whatever. Yes, yes. Um, But when I ran into a bit of difficulty of not being able to sell uh, a particular lady's shares the boss kind of got a bit annoyed with me and one day turned up and said don't oh. come back on monday <laughs> so <laughs> oh, <laughs> my no. my uh yeah my uh, my my dream of being you know and re your, your listeners won't understand by being in the united states but by being the, the rene rifkin of uh, share trading uh that was over yes. and i i needed to find something else and so i stumbled into real estate uh, based off the fact huh. that I could earn, you know, five times the amount of money I was earning as a uh, share broker. So that's how it all started. So you've actually stayed in real estate all this time from, from that time mm. forward, haven't mm -hmm. you, Gregor? And so it's interesting um, to talk about your real estate career because you've met some uh, shady characters <laughs> throughout your real estate career, and I thought it might be mm. interesting to tell us, you tell the listeners some of your shady real estate uh, stories. Yeah, okay. Um, it's it's it's, a, it's an interesting kind of um, part of my life that uh, a lot of people even today say to me, you know, what what does it actually take to become a good crime writer? You know, and they have a perception yes. in their head that 
I you need to go to um, a university, a preferred, you know, maybe a big well-known one like Oxford or yes. Yale or Stanford or something in the United States there, um, and get yourself a PhD, a doctorate in creative writing. And, you know, I think yes. that's probably got advantages, but at least they also think that you've got to have a fairly good command of the English language, you know where to put yeah. the you know, parentheses and the full stops and the commas. But what yeah. I say to people is that the, yeah. if you really want to become a great uh, crime writer, you just need to be able to have worked in real estate. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that when I was in real estate, <laughs> what I discovered was that um, criminals are very much like the everyday person. When you need when a criminal needs to go and buy food, they go to the local supermarket, just like you know the normal person does. When they need to get their internet fixed up, they ring up the internet man and he comes and fixes it up. And when they need yes. to buy, sell or rent some property, they call a real estate agent. And as a selling yeah. agent yeah. that I was, what I learned to discover was that um, the um, – I was actually getting like a, an apprenticeship in crime writing all, all the time that I was in there. Yes. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll give you one of the um, the really quick stories that, that helped fuel me. That, that there's a several yes. of them, yes. but I'll give you one. My uh, Myself and a, and a, and a mate, uh, we set up our own agency um, in the very early 1980s. Um, and we were fortunate that we used to look after uh, what they call manage a number of small buildings within the Brisbane CBD area, Brisbane Central Business District. Yes. Um, now, one of the buildings was actually owned by a very prominent um, jeweller in um, Brisbane. Yes. And in the basement of yes. this particular building was a nightclub. And the nightclub uh-huh. was run by, let me make it a generalisation, run by a, a gentleman of Italian ethnicity, and I love yes. Italians. I love their, their enthusiasm, but I think you can sort of get the feel of where I might be going here. Yes. Um, yeah. And he ran this particular nightclub. So the owner of the building said to myself and my mate one day, um, I need to get some more rent and I need a brand-new lease signed on the premises. So we made yes. an appointment with the uh, Italian gentleman. Uh, he owned several nightclubs in our town and our city, and he had one not too far away in a place called Fortitude Valley. So uh, we slipped in uh-huh. down there one afternoon to have an appointment. Um, 5.30 in the afternoon, the club hadn't opened, so we were sort of ushered in by a lady put into yes. a little booth. Now, I, I don't know, I don't think this guy seemed to pay the lady all that much money because she wasn't wearing hard any clothes <laughs> um, you get a, you, you can get an idea of what the club was mainly yes. about um, so mm-hmm. we, we sat there and we um, uh, waited she offered us a drink uh, being polite yeah. young boys now we're in our 20s we're in um, I think probably about yes. 22 23 years of age yeah. um, so we're sitting there and uh, she offered us a drink. We took Coca-Colas as our, as our drink because we were being polite. We didn't yes. want to spend a lot of money. In hindsight, we probably yeah. should have taken triple scotches, but we, we weren't to know that at the time. <laughs> um, the, the Italian gentleman slipped in by the booth. Very polite man. Very, uh-huh. very uh-huh. honest. Yes. You know, yes. Smiling, well-groomed um, and whatever. And he basically said to us, okay, boys, you know, what are you here for? And we said, listen, we yeah. need to get yeah. – more rent and a brand new lease for the premises uptown. 
To that, he turned mm-hmm. to us and he smiled and he repeated back, if that's what you need, I'll put a bulldozer through the basement of the building and I'll firebomb it just for good measure. Now, when you and I would say that to each other, Tony, there's probably not a lot of effect Mm -hmm. because neither of us would believe each other to do that. Um, But when an Italian gentleman who has been extensively named in a royal commission, which is a a big investigation uh, for those who are outside this country, uh, named as a as a person of, you know, severe criminal influence, um, says that to you, you, you kind of believe the guy. And uh, to that, we, mm-hmm. we just went a whole shade of white. The blood just completely drained over our bodies. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, and we skadoodled out of there really quickly, back uptown, uh, told the owner of the building that there's no uh, – it was frightening. Yes. Yeah. Totally frightening for 20-year-olds blokes. 20-year-olds against uh, a a, a man, um, yeah, and I can't, and I'm not saying, and I can't prove this one way, uh, that as a generalisation of the head of one of the uh, major mafia firms, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. people within within this area. So, um, yeah, we we, uh, went back. We didn't get any more rent, obviously. There was no brand-new lease. And on Monday, the rent used to be paid by a – a bikey uh, who, who worked for this particular organisation. Oh, yeah. And in he came. He was a, he was a lovely man. Um, he looked scary, yes. but, um, yeah, very, very yes. polite. His name was David. Um, yes. And he used to yeah. always bring the rent in a brown paper bag and put it on our reception counter. <sighs> now, we never, ever, ever counted that money in front of him. We just smiled and nodded wow. <laughs> and we let him go. Thanks. And said thanks. Of course, we counted before we had to go to the bank and bank the money. But yes. um, yeah. yeah, it was an interesting time, and, and there are countless stories like that over, over the time. And it just—I don't know—it fueled my interest as to how uh, these people were um, and how they ran their yeah. businesses, how they ran their organisation, and even today, it's still a fascination um, for me. But, but um, obviously, I wouldn't be wanting to uh, tip onto the, the wrong side of the law either. <laughs> No, so. no, no. Um, but some the, the story you're telling our listeners obviously lends itself well to crime and mystery writing. Um, mm. So you've had like a real-life uh, apprenticeship for mm. the writing of your uh, mysteries and, and thrillers effectively simply by growing up, if you'd like, in real estate. Um and I'm sure that uh, the characters will, uh, the your characters reflect some of those uh, characters from real life, and elements of their personalities are woven into your novels. Um, so that's what makes them so great to read, I'm sure. Um, yeah. And those. Shady characters are what makes uh, the reader keep reading. So we're going to throw to a little break now. And when we come back, we'll be talking some more with Greg. I've got lots more questions for you. So over to you, Rebel, and we'll be back with our listeners with more of CT Mitchell after the break. Over to you, Rebel. 
Keeping the conversation going on the suppressed social and moral issues, this is Radio Tony on W4WN. Join Tony Lontis, author of Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty. Radio Tony uncovers and exposes the social and moral issues of our time, bringing social consciousness to the airwaves. You're not alone with your secrets. Let's talk trauma and resilience. Radio Tony with Tony Lontis, Thursday evenings from 7pm Eastern Standard Time on W4WN. Keep the conversation going. Direct assistance. Call Radio Tony. Hello. 561-623-9421. On W4WN Radio Guest Skype. I'm not afraid. Yeah. It's been a ride. I guess I had to go to that place to get to this one. Now some of you might still be in that place. If you're trying to get out, just follow me. I'll get you there. You can try and read my lyrics off of this paper before I lay them. But you won't take this thing out these words before I say them. Cause ain't no way I'm gonna let you stop me from causing man. When I say I'm gonna do something, I do it. I don't give a damn what you think. I'm doing this for me. So fuck the world, feed it beans. It's gassed up. If it thinks it's stopping me, I'm gonna be what I set out to be. Without a doubt, undoubtedly. And all those who look down on me, I'm tearing down your balcony. No way fans are bust, don't try to ask him why, how can he? From infinite down to the last relapse album, he's still shitting. Whether he's on salary, paid hourly, until he bows out or he shits his bowels out of him. Whichever comes first, for better or worse. He's married to the game, like a fuck you for Christmas. His gift is a curse. Forget the earth, he's got the earth to pull his dick from the dirt and fuck the whole universe. I'm not afraid, I'm not afraid to take a stand, take a stand. I shouldn't have to rhyme these words in the rhythm for you to know it's a rap You said you was king, you lied through your teeth For that, fuck your feelings Instead of getting crowned, you're getting capped And to the fans, I'll never let you down again, I'm back I promise to never go back on that promise In fact, let's be honest, at last we laughed CD was aired, perhaps I ran them accents into the ground Relax, I ain't going back to that now All I'm trying to say is get back, click, clack, clap Cause I ain't playing around It's a game called Circle and I don't know how Put my life back together right now, now. It was 
my decision to get clean I did it for me, admittedly I probably did it subliminally for you So I could come back a brand new me You helped see me through And don't even realize what you did Cause believe me, you I've been through the ringer But they can do little to the middle finger I think I got a tear in my eye King of my world, haters can make like bees with no stingers and drop dead. No more beef flingers, no more drama from now on. I promise to focus solely on handling my responsibilities as a father. So I solemnly swear to always treat this roof like my daughters and raise it. You couldn't lift a single shingle on it. Cause the way I feel, I'm strong enough to go to the club or the corner pub and lift the whole liquor counter up. Cause I'm raising the bar. I shoot for the moon, but I'm too busy gazing at stars. I feel amazing and I'm not afraid. Tony on W4WN, your safe space for tough conversations. And welcome back to our listeners. You're listening to Radio Tony, live across America and the world. Today I'm talking to the wonderful Greg Reed, who authors books under the pen name of C.T. Mitchell. Greg writes wonderful mystery novels and novellas. And before I get back to my questions for Greg, one of our listeners um, has popped in a question about um, our previous segment where we talked to Greg about uh, his teenage bullying and the fact that Greg eventually stood up to his tormentor and one of our listeners wanted to know uh, does this work for people in any country so Greg over to you uh, I, I would definitely think Your, it would work for anyone in the country yes uh, I would um, have to agree I would think that uh, standing up to your bully would work anywhere um, however if you can get them one on one versus one and many that would always be better wouldn't it oh absolutely um, I said the, uh, a bully works on the perception that they are a big strong you know tough individual um, but I said unfortunately well unfortunately for them they, they seem to mask that uh, perception by having uh, people or groups around them and it's only when you challenge that uh, strength that you find that there's they're not so strong on the inside after all uh, so they work on the yeah. perception and as I said on a on a more co- not comical but different side we used to we yes. grew up watching happy days and we grew up watching the Fonz who never had a fight because yes. the perception was yeah. that he was a great fighter and uh, even all the the baddies wouldn't take him on but there were points that came very close that almost exposed the Fonz as perhaps a person who wasn't like that. But on on the negative side, yes. that's how uh, bullies work. Uh, I'm not saying the Fonz was a bully. He was a good guy, obviously. But, um, no. <laughs> but bullies have an, an image of being rough, tough and strong. However, that's not always the case. I'm sure some bullies are rough, tough and strong, but not sure. all of them are. No. Uh, and in today's social media world, you know, uh, social media is such a cruel place yes. that uh, you can hide behind, you can, you know, either 
even if you give up your own name on social media, but there's so many people who create false accounts and you don't even know who you're really talking about. And you're you, talking I think to. Yeah. You've got to, you've got to stand up, and if you can't stand up to somebody who is anonymous, then you either you know block that person on, on social media. Um, you perhaps you close your accounts off. I mean, at the end of the day, what's more important yes. your your safety, your sanity. Uh, you don't need the likes and recognition of others. You got that's got to come within anyway. And the best relationships that you can yes. ever have uh, with people who are close to you that you can talk with, uh, you know, personally. Yes. So. Um, yeah, for social media people, I think you just and either cut it off. Yes, Sorry, yes, and, and it yes. is in, it is important to talk to someone if you're experiencing bullying of any description, either on uh, the internet or in real life. Um, you need to tell someone that this is happening to you. So. Yeah, uh, it's, it's one of the sort of, because of my background, it's also one of the things in Australia, we have a, an organisation here called the R-U-O-K uh, program. There's a yes. special R-U-O-K day. Uh, I take part of my monthly sales uh, that I do with my books and I set that aside yes. and I make donations to charities and particularly that one, uh, which is the R-U-O-K day. Um, and I... <laughs> Had the the great pleasure of meeting the the uh, the president not so long ago, a guy called Kamal Sharma, and um, he he's a yes. fabulous ambassador uh, for that, and uh, it's a, such a great thing. And um, you know, we also you know look. I also look at other organisations like Kids Helpline because there's so many kids today, uh, yes. like I went through in the set in the 70s. As I said, it was different for me. I didn't have all those extra torments around of social media and all oh, that right. other stuff. I, I, it was very real, of, of course, but the Kids Helpline here in Australia is a sensational uh, group that allows young kids who, yes. who are experiencing problems not to be able to have a chat to mum or dad or whatever, but chat to somebody on a equal kind of a level to them uh, and they can dial in. And I, I forget the statistics, but it's absolutely horrific the amount of calls that are made on a daily basis. Yes to that so that's another another charity that i uh, wholeheartedly support here as well yeah i'm wondering if there's the equivalent um kids helpline in the u.s because i know in australia that the volume of calls they get are phenomenal and it's a wonderful resource for australian children um to call in about any subject that is troubling them and receive um, and, and have someone to talk to, get yep. some counselling and advice, and, and it's a free service, um, and they can ring in any time they want. So yeah. that's a wonderful thing for Australia. Yeah, um, yeah. In, in one Australia, of our listeners, we've, sorry, I'm just going to no, finish go, off on that. Finish off on that yeah. line is that uh, one of the major uh, real estate groups here in Australia, the first national real estate group. Um, yes. They have always been big uh, sponsors of major things. They used to be uh, what they call a humanity partner for Red Cross a number of years ago, donating you know millions of dollars yes. to that uh, foundation. They've now put all their uh, their own internal thing. They have a thing there called the foundation, uh, sending all the money into Kids Helpline because they see it as something so yes. important. And also, you know, kids are obviously, as we all say, are, are our future, and we're looking to make a better future with yeah. more happier kids along the way. So, First National Real Estate is yeah. uh, a major, major contributor to that uh, fund as well. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. Um, so one of our listeners, um, I'll go to the second question first before mm-hmm. I go back to the other question. Um, so one of our listeners is saying that in the US they have a thing called the Boys and Girls Club um, and they're not sure if that's what is the same. But if in Australia it's a, a 1-800 phone line that the children or anyone uh, under 18 generally speaking they can call 24 hours a day seven days a week it's free to call and someone will answer the phone and talk to them so if that's what the equivalent in uh the u.s is um they're not sure that that's that's the same thing so going back to an earlier question one of our listeners um wanted to know about um good relationships and how can you tell uh, the good so we were speaking about online bullying and are uh, developing uh, good relationships and one of our listeners wants to know how can you tell if it's good relationships so do you want to have a go at that first mm. Greg yeah sure um, uh, I, th- I think uh, good relationships are born out of things that become two-way street and I think it's yes. um, an option whereby uh, what you put out is what you kind of get back. And if you're a, a person who's very much mm-hmm. uh, what I would call self-aware and you're definitely in the space of uh, genuinely, genuinely looking to help others, so therefore your intent is about yes. helping others and not so about the intent purely being on yourself, there will be a, mm-hmm. a warmth or an acceptance of you as a person and therefore you'll be able to um, be more attractive, so to speak, uh, to, to a third, to, a, to another yeah. party. And when you yeah. get that feeling back as well, you kind of know that you've got so. I mean, I've been fortunate in my life of having some good relationships with people who work and, and, and professionally. I have, you know, even that as, as we speak now, there are people that in around me that, you know, I know I can call upon. Uh, we have terrific co- connections. Um, they know a lot about me. Yes. Uh, they you know, we might talk on a business sense about some planning and construction and organisation, those kind of things. And reciprocally, I hope that they get the feeling that, you know, I'm interested in them. And, and generally we are. We, we know each other's families, uh, that kind of thing. We have interest in what's going on in our lives. And I said it's, it's about um, – it's the same when you're in business. It's about looking at uh, how can I best help, how can I best serve somebody else and – you know, if nothing comes back, then so be it. But it's it's a great yeah. uh, approach to have rather than all and, be about yourself. Yes. And from my perspective too, when you're talking about good re- relationships, there has to be that reciprocal element. So if you're the one doing all the giving and you're not getting anything in return, so and that that's in terms of friendship, help, uh, it should be, good relationships should be a, a two-way street. It shouldn't be mm-hmm. just you doing everything for the other person or always being the listener or always being the one to help. A good relationship should have reciprocal benefits. In other words, they give yeah. back to you, they help you, they talk to you. So it really is about that that two-way street. Um, yeah. And uh, that's very important for a good relationship. A one-sided relationship isn't something that I would describe as a good relationship. Would you, Greg? 
Oh, absolutely not. And that goes down from, you know, basically general friendships right through to, you know, love and marriages yes. and all those kind of things. Yes. Um, you're, you're working at those. And the people who, you know, in brackets work at this thing on a consistent basis will get the most reward in their yes. life. You know, it's like in a good marriage, you know, you've got to yes. uh, be able to get up to your spouse and, you know, be you know, into them, uh, compliment them. Yes. yes. It does take yes. a little bit of work. Yes, it does take a little bit of effort, particularly as time goes on and we become more familiar and, yeah. you know, in brackets, maybe a little bit more stale. But it can't be a one-sided effect, you know. if uh, yeah, I think there was a movie, I'm Just Not Into You or something like that. It was one yes. of the sort yes. of uh, yes. throwaway lines from it. Um, that, yes. That's a little bit how relationships work. Um, and, you know, you, you, can, you can obviously, when you're in public or, or something, you can feel if something is good um, yeah, and you can you yeah. can see that in there but yeah. you know unfortunately that for a lot of people um, is that sort of difference and a little bit of standoffishness between each other that never quite fully gels but you know keep on working yeah. if, if, the, if the person was asking about that keep on working at it um, give the very best that you can be and obviously go on the on the basis of uh, you trying to help uh, that particular person yeah. if it's not yeah. reciprocal enough down the track, then you need to make a decision because you also have got to be fueled and fulfilled in the relationship yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. One of our listeners wants to know, what if it seems like a good working relationship but it's a, just a farce? What an interesting question. No, you let, let me just, go I, I, didn't, I didn't quite hear. A good working relationship but just what? But it's just a so it's just so it appears that there's a good relationship, but it's just a pretense. Um, look, again, I think that sort of stuff uh, becomes a little bit more self-evident um, if if someone seems yes, to be trying so ways or whatever. But you sort of you can start to what's the word uh, sift out, smell out the the non-genuineness yes. in something. If yes, it's, you and, know, I, and then it's a matter of I think. Sorry, you keep going. Then it's a matter of distancing yourself mm-hmm. if mm-hmm. it's if it seems to be on uh, a good relationship on uh, some level, but if it's not working for you, then that's probably something that even if it's okay, you should probably distance yourself if there's an yeah. element of fakeness in there, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. and I think the fakeness comes out in, in a, in a generalised way whereby it becomes quite evident that that person is in the relationship purely for the benefit of themselves. So they, you know, let's say there's a boss and a subordinate working there and all of a sudden there are are comments going on social media and, wow, you're great, you're the best boss I've ever had and all that kind of stuff. It would be perceived that they may not think that, but they would be kind of working to hopefully get themselves a promotion or something to that kind of nature. And I think that... Um, over time will show themselves, you know, if you've got a good, solid, genuine heart and you're in it for the right reason, mm-hmm. you'll always, you know, mm-hmm. be a winner and, and you'll and, and it'll grow and it'll, it'll um, you know, mushroom from there on out. If there is a slight uh, yeah, bit of yeah. doubt and there's stuff going on, then those relationships get exposed over time. Yes, yes. 
uh, some comments from our listeners. There are some people out there that will not be so nice in relationships and some people thrive on the pain of others so they master the craft of being sneaky. So that ties in with a little of what we've been talking about um, in relationships. So mm. I've got some other questions I really wanted to ask you this morning so I'll get on with those. Sure. Um, yep. When did it dawn on you that you wanted to be a writer? Okay. Uh, as, as I said initially in the pace, um, you know, way back in the, in the 80s and, and probably the early yes. 90s, I always wanted to write and dabble, um, you know, to, to, a, to a, an, an outside kind of thing. I used to see um, documentaries on, on television or whatever, and they, they filmed yes. um, famous writers. And uh, one was uh, Patricia Cornwell, for example, in the, yes. in the US. Yes. Um, she writes uh, more CSI-type um, crime thrillers. And I, I specifically yes. remember her coming out of, out of her estate in her, I think it was a Ferrari at the time, with the um, interviewer yeah. in the car, and I thought to myself, hmm, I wouldn't mind a bit of that yeah. <laughs> so I, I was, it, that was kind of fuel but it was just the, the the overall sense of wanting to put some words down be creative um and that's why i started to do things like blogging um and also emailing yes. i found um i can express myself yes. in a more genuine sense like that and it's fuel but mm. the, the the fear of actually putting that into a book, you know, and what would that look like? Would somebody accept me? Would I be laughed at? Um, probably a bit of the reason why. We'd, yeah, will they ever read it? All those kind of things, and you procrastinate, and you procrastinate, and you think, oh, how long is this going to take? Will yes. it take weeks? Will it take yes. months? Could it take years? And we kind of put things off. It's a bit like trying to sign up to go and get another degree at university. You know, in hindsight, it's only three yes. years or something to get a to get a degree. When we look mm -hmm. back, we think, wow. You know, we're, let's just look back now to 2016. It seems like it was just yesterday. But um, when we're looking yeah, forward, yeah, those yeah. things seem so far away. So, um, but I always wanted to do that, express it, because I also get a connection with people. You see, I have a really genuine interest in listening yeah. to other people's stories. And that's one of the great loves I have now, because I have um, over 10,000 uh, people on, a, on an email list that we converse with every week. I send them yes. things, you know, quite a few yes. people will, will reply back and I love to hear their stories as well. It's a really, really interesting um, way, way to live. Do their stories inspire you to keep writing? Oh, absolutely. Um, uh, mm. <clears throat> I, I enjoy listening to their own, their own personal stories. I mean, I get ideas from some of their stories that they would tell yes. me. Um, yes. I've, yeah, again, one of my readers um, grew up, uh, her father was, um, for want of a better word, a foot soldier within the mafia. Um, oh, you know, so wow. I, I'm always, I'm very polite to her. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm sure, but, uh, I'm sure. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, but the stories of inspiration, so I, I occasionally run what we call um, a reader story uh, month thing and I will uh, spotlight the reader, maybe some of their old photos, um, you know, what they did. You know, a lot, lot of my readers are also retired, so they give me what they did in their working life and, you know, I get some photos of 
Uh, one particular gentleman that, that comes to mind, he was a motorcycle policeman in the US and he was sitting on his bike with all the oh. all his gear on and I think it was shot again in the 70s or 80s, had these big, what we call mutton yeah. chop sideburns on and, you know, it just sort of... Yes, um, yes. It's, it's, I don't know, it's an exciting thing and I said I love the yeah. stories. Yeah, they definitely inspire me. Yeah. Yeah. Another uh, question from our listener. Um, have you had any negative things come up from your writing? Um, yeah, negative things only in, in the sense of, uh, um, you know, getting um, some bad reviews, I suppose. You know, there are, uh, yes, it's, yes. It's, quite, it's quite obvious that not everyone's going to love what you write, uh, how you write, yeah. uh, and all that kind of thing. Yeah. So very early in the piece... Um, I would get, you know, some negative reviews, what we call like one-star reviews, yes. uh, and yes. they used to, it used to upset me, you know. I, I'd read them and yes. I'd take them to heart. But it got to yes. a point that I no longer, and even today, I no longer read my reviews, uh, whether they're good or bad. Yes. Um, yes. Because, again, I, I, I block it out. What I've worked out is that people who give one-star reviews are t typically – and it's a generalisation, but they're a little bit angry with mm -hmm. themselves and this is the way that they're going to become the hero yes. of, of the minute and have most times yes. not even their own name. They're, they, they are an anonymous uh, and they can get that appearing on your um, on your Amazon reviews. And, you know, and that's fine. Yeah. You know, the best reviews that I get are somewhere around that three, four-star kind of area because they, they're genuine and if they've got a little... Um, uh, gripe or something like that, they put it in there and say, well, you know, perhaps this story could be made a little bit longer. Perhaps you could go a little bit more depth with the character or something of that nature. Yes. And that's good feedback. Yeah. Uh, One-star people it are is, not good feedback. It? Yeah, it is. No. Um, but one-star people yeah. are not. They don't, They offer nothing. Um, and so I choose to just totally ignore them um, and go on. And, you know, similarly, five and stars, they're very flat. But, you know, the best, best reviews are three or four yes. stars. But if you're... If you're listening to the station, um, I'd love five stars. <laughs> you, don't, you, don't need to, you don't need to go and buy any books today and swamp you full of three stars. <laughs> um, one of our listeners is saying um, you can't please everyone all of the time, and that's true. <laughs> uh, that's Someone so very, very true. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, the uh, another question from our listeners: Are they hoping to you? Uh, are they hoping you write a story about them? So I think that's in reference to um, talking um, when we were talking about your listeners and your readers mm -hmm. and your email ship interacting with you. So yes, mm -hmm. I think you do grab a bit of character reference mm -hmm. from the people that you associate with. Yeah. Um, next I, question I, from our listeners. Let, let me just quickly go, answer that last one. Um, I've also run a competition online to my readers and said, listen, I'm bringing out yes. a new book. I need to get the name of, uh, of the perpetrator and whatever. Uh, let's run yes. a competition. Um, and if I pick yes. your name out, uh, I'll send you the printed um, copy of the book when it's done, signed and yeah. whatever. And if yeah. if I um, use maybe some of the other names along the way, then I'll, I'll send you some other yeah. copies or digital copies or things like that. And I got a tremendous response. I think when I actually drew the name out of um, out of the hat, I did it live via video, yes. 
I've had, I don't know, five, yeah. six, seven thousand views on that site alone and uh, on that yes. particular video. Yes. And people love it. And yes, the barber has uh, the central character, which is uh, James Carrigan. Um, and yes. he um, is the name that was um, picked out by one of my readers. From your competition. Mm. Oh, well done. I've got another question before we before we throw to the break. Just one more question: um, Have you ever voiced an audio book, Greg? No, I've look. I've looked into doing audio books, and there are two main things on it. In Australia, it's quite an expensive um, thing to do, and I'm still yeah. trying to find a good source. Now, in yes. a, in the United States, um, Amazon, uh, as readers may know, own the company called Audible. Um, However, yes. to record on Audible, you need to be an American citizen or have an American address. Now, I've been able to establish that in recent times, uh, whereby I have a uh, via Australia, I have a uh, an American address, and I've looked at doing mm -hmm. it. I've actually been on Audible, and I've um, yes. even to some extent interviewed some people to play characters within my books. Um, yes. I haven't pressed the button yet, but in saying that. And uh, maybe this is what your reader is asking me. Would I personally um, record yeah. the book? Because they are set in Australia and they will have an Australian twang to them rather than an American or a British-sounding uh, voice. So, hey, you know, it's yes. it's it's on the cards. Um, it's just a pro another project that I've got to get down and, and get done amongst my fairly busy schedule already. Yes, yes. Uh, her listener saying, talk to me after the show. I may be able to help you with that. <laughs> Why not? Why not? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm all ears. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So um, in this chat box, I'll put up uh, Greg's um, email um, at the end of the show so that you guys can have a chat. Now, Please. we've got to throw to a quick break. Greg, can I keep you for another little segment after this break? Have you got um, Tony, time? Tony, I'm all yours. I'm some... all yours. Fantastic. <laughs> All right, Rebel, All right. we'll throw to a quick break and um, after we come back, we'll have another chat with Greg. Okay, over to you, Rebel. Radio Tony on W4WN, a platform for the unheard. Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty is the new book from Australian author Tony Londis. Available in paper, ebook, and audiobook formats, Resilience is the true life story of Tony, experiencing and surviving trauma, abuse, mental health issues, and the ultimate betrayal of someone she fell in love with. Exposing moral issues you may have dealt with too. Read how hope and happiness triumph in her life. Available at Amazon.com and all good online retailers. Radio Tony on W4WN. Your safe space for tough conversations.
Radio Tony with Tony Lontis, author of Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty. Available now on Amazon.com and in all good bookstores. Welcome back, listeners. 
You're listening to Tony Lontis, and today we have the wonderful Greg Reed online with us. Um, Greg is a best-selling author of Mystery Crime, and we we're asking him all sorts of questions today, and I've had some wonderful questions from our listeners, but I've got one for Greg now. So, Greg, tell me, what advice would you give to your younger self? Um, good question, Tony. Good question. Um, if I was to uh, <laughs> go back all of those years, it's the years seem to be getting longer. Um, if I was to go back all those years, I yes. would uh, be- definitely tell myself that I need to one uh, believe in myself. Uh, that would be an important thing yes. uh, because without that internal belief um, and having that inner strength, then uh, your life, I think, becomes pretty difficult. So. Um, go about uh, you know believing in, in yourself would be a key thing. The second thing I would look at talking about is to have the resilience and the um, again I suppose it's yeah. the belief, but I would also talk about playing to my own strengths and being authentic in whatever I did. Yeah. So uh, what I mean by that is from even from a today's in a book sense. When I first started writing and I was in a group, most of the writers around me, and I, I know from your books uh, yourself, Tony, that uh, yes. you write much bigger novels than I do. And there are writers who yeah. write 50,000, 80, 100, 120,000 plus words. And I was never that kind of writer. Yeah. I was what we call a short reader or yes. a short novella, writing 10, yes. 12, 15,000 words. And I used yeah. to feel a little bit inept. Um, but but the strength was that I could write short reads at a relatively quick pace, get the books into the market, and luckily enough for me, people found them and they read them, and some of them read them so much of them, they became number one bestsellers in their category. And so that was then confirmation that the the strength that I had was that. So for a younger person, I would say, you know, do whatever your strength is. I said I... I, I talked to a, a particular uh, a colleague, you know, uh, who has a, a son out there and he's uh, very much into flying drones um, mm-hmm. and it's such an up, upcoming kind of thing. We think of yeah. all the ads and we know Amazon's going to be bringing programs in where they're going to deliver product and services via drones and I know there's yes, a major pizza. Drones, yes. Pizza companies are bringing drones delivery. into their delivery. Yes. Um, and I say to him, wow, you know, um, that's a terrific, uh, terrific thing. Keep that career going, um, and who knows where yes. it might take you. It might become the head of uh, drone operations for Amazon one day. So, you know, it's um, it's exciting. Do do what you uh, do what it's you like to do best. It's about discovering your strengths early in life, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's it's it's, it's looking at, but having that solid belief. And I said. Uh, Continuing, and the belief is a big thing because uh, we, we all face yes. a number of hurdles over time. You know, we've got the object yeah. to either give up and walk away and quit. Uh, we can sort of, yeah. you know, yeah. try and bash our way through and keep on going. Or at the very least, we need to sidestep yeah. and go around the outside of, of that so-called brick wall barrier uh, and keep on moving forward. Yeah. But the point is that we have to keep on moving forward. And those who stick at something long enough, yeah. um, you know, can and, and typically will become winners uh, no matter what they're doing. Yeah. I've got lots of questions coming in, Greg. So the first one is, is it hard to be a writer in this day and age? Um, Look, I think at the moment 
there, there are conflicting reports out there. You'll you'll pick up a newspaper yes. or something and it'll say, hey, the writing market's diminishing, the book market's diminishing, uh, to the typical yes. bookstore in the corner is closing and all that kind of thing. And surely, yes, there are there is a lot more competition in the world because there are people like myself and, and you know, obviously like yourself there too, Tony, who have now got into the writing yeah, space yeah. and we're starting to yeah. uh, crowd that up. However, uh, yeah. On the, on the flip side, there's now opportunity because in the good old days when you had to write a huge big manuscript, post it off yes. to some anonymous person sitting in a New York high-rise right. with a cravat on and a, and a glass of brandy smoking their cigars and then throwing your manuscript yeah. into, the, uh, yeah. into the bin yeah. and you becoming despondent is not the only yes. way to go now. Amazon changed the yeah. game so much that you – and I mean you, as in you, Tony, the writer, and yes. myself, yes. have been given an opportunity yes. where we can write a book, um, put it in a correct format, upload it to Amazon, and basically anywhere um, between 12 and 72 hours later, we are published authors. And, uh, you know, yes. it's it's fabulous. So is it more difficult to become a writer? Mm, there's possibly chances. But the opportunities to be a writer are far greater. And if you take the concept of writing now, yes. and marketing – you will succeed at it. Yeah. Lots of questions coming in. So the next one is, are you self-published? That's a yes for me. Over to Greg. Um, I'm a hybrid. So what that means is uh, yes. I am predominantly self-published. I uh, publish through uh, Amazon as, as my uploading dimension. Uh, but I also have a publisher in the United, sorry, in the United Kingdom, in the UK, uh, that yes. publishes uh, my novel, um, Murder Secret. They uh, distribute through major bookstores there, Waterstones, um, W.H. Smith, uh, Foils, etc. cetera, uh, and they, they're doing a tremendous yes. job. I also run a publishing contract uh, in India uh, with another group there called Juggernaut yes. Books. So um, I'm what they call a bit of a hybrid. Uh, yes. I love yes. self-publishing, though. Um, don't, don't take anything away yes. from self-publishing. It's a brilliant uh, forum, but, uh, fantastic medium, and the best thing about it is that you have control of what you do. So if you're in the oh, audience today wanting correct. to become a writer, go down the self-publishing uh, route by, by yes. a country mile. Amazon uh, are the kings, and that's where you should be uh, self-publishing your book to. Yes, yes, yes. Next question. Uh, how is it so different with these smaller reads? So I guess that the listener wants to know, uh, I, I'm guessing that uh, they want to know the difference between uh, your typical book or novel and your smaller read books. Yeah. Um, the smaller reads are based on the fact that they obviously of the size. So... I wrote them specifically for two types of audiences, those who are voracious readers who need a, a lunchtime hit uh, yes. in the park while having their lunch yeah. or sitting on a bus. Yeah. And secondly, mm -hmm. the person who is a non-reader who walks to a bookstore and sees yes. a three, four, five hundred page novel and goes, I'll never do that. So I'm trying to break yes. non-readers into becoming readers. Now, the, the difference is they are short, fast, punchy. Um, there is character yes. in there, but not super in-depth. I mean, I, I will do my best to give you a little snippet of what Jack Creed is like. But yes. I can best better do that through a novel because I've got more, yes. more pages to fill from one of a better word. Uh, 
um, that's the main difference between a short read. They, they're generally very, very fast-paced. We, we open the first page. Yeah. The murder has already occurred. Um, they might only run uh, 40, 50 pages in length. So as you can see, I can't go into yes. depth too much about, you know, how Jack grew up and all his little nuances. But in a and novel, they, I can yes. do that. Yeah. Yes. Do your uh, smaller reads from one story to the next, and um, we're talking about Jack, your central character, mm -hmm. if they read from one novel to the next, they're going to glean a greater depth about his character uh, than you would buy. You can just read one book, but if you read the books mm. um, one after the other, you yep. gradually, yes, yes, you'll gain that uh, knowledge yep. about the character yep. Jack in more depth. Correct. So that's, Correct. Uh, that's quite yeah, a, my, a all my books of are, smaller reads. Yeah, all my books are standalones and uh, yes. so they're different stories. They're not cliffhangers yes. that sort of lead to the next book, but typically yeah. within each book, there's something that will get more exposed. You know, Jack, Jack, as yeah. I said, is, is a toughie. He's anti-establishment. He's, he's all that kind of stuff. Drives the Mustang or whatever. But on the on the other side, Jack's also a softie. He's a family man, but he because of the way he lives, he actually lives away from his family by I'm talking about an hour distance yes. and driving. Uh, he has a daughter, uh -huh. for example, who, who suffers mental health issues. Um, and yes. so you see the softer side, the concern, the father coming out uh, yes. in, in various stories along the way um, as, as some of those other yeah. situations play out. So people do get a better understanding. Yeah. 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 Um, I've got another question. How can a person find their strengths? Another good question. Um, I think you find the strengths <laughs> based off the, um, off the way that um, – you, uh, the, the, I don't know, the things that you like that seem to um, give you the, the best fulfilment and the best, um, I don't know, even it's, external responses, but they also come from within. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's a thing that you kind of like to do. It's so, about, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, please go on, Tony. It's about, yeah. it's about sitting with yourself and thinking, okay, I do that well because someone's told me or it gives me a sense of fulfilment or I feel happy <clears> when I – that's how you work out those strengths in your life, isn't it? It is, you and I think it's you, you, it's something that you – Yeah, it, it's it's the area that you gravitate to the most. It's something that you like to talk about, for example, or an action you like to do. Um, I think that you've got to look at your strengths as those things that are uh, naturally innate within you. They're not yeah. something that you have to think that you should be good at. For example, yeah. as, a, as I talk about the books, uh, there are a lot of people who write fantastic long books. And sure, I wish I had yes. the ability some stages to do that. But my strength, where I've gained mm -hmm. the access to is, you know, and, and the ability to sell thousands and thousands of books each month is the fact that my books are short, fast and whatever. Yeah. Uh, you need to yeah. look at that. Don't pull something on based on the thing of what you think everyone else needs or pull it on because yeah. you think that's where a financial gain opportunity is. You know, let's, I'll be quite honest. Short mm -hmm. reads are, are a struggle on the financial basis because they have to be sold yes. at a cheaper, cheaper level as well. Yes. So... Um, you know, if I was purely in this for, for the big money of it all, then obviously I would only ever write long-term novels because, you know, that I can sell them at a higher price. But I also love yeah. the fact, the strength is that 
they are out there. It does give me recognition, which yeah. fuels my internal thing. Yes. And I build relationships with people, which are so exciting for me. They, yeah. uh, I go back to the thing. Yes. I'm building stories with people, and I, I just love doing it. Yes. <clears throat> so, Greg, I'm not going to throw to a Blake. I'm going to stay with you if that's okay. I've got some more comments and questions. So sure. um, one of our listeners says, um, you need to tune out the negative words of others that say the things you uh you need to turn out the negative words of others that say the things you like will not get you any place. And then the next one, lots of parents quash the dreams of their kids. Um, and that's a comment. And the next question is, are there any old-time publishers anymore and why would anyone choose to go that way if you can self-publish? Another good question. Yeah, no, they're, they're, that's a terrific question. Um Cutting out the negative words of what others say, yeah, that's obviously a good feel. Now, yeah. we're, we can't say that we live in a world that's so easy to do that, and I'm in the same spot. You know, someone will um, you know, say some negative things and they will uh, resonate me for the while. The, yes. the, the speed of me recovering is the far better way to do it and standing back up and keeping going. Yes. That's why no matter what you have, you need to have some kind of vision within your life that keeps you going forward. This is not yes. a, a sprint. It's about this thing called life. It's called a marathon. No. <laughs> you know, yes. and we just and we just got to keep yes. on keep on working forward. And I know that's philosophical and sounds yes. easy, but you need to have the inner strength. It's more important what you say to yourself, because if you're looking for external yes. uh, pleasure from external sources, you are always going to be able to, in some format, experience pain. If you're able to yes. fuel your inner drive, um, then you are in control of what that's all about and i read a terrific book a number of years ago and i'm trying to recall the name of it um what you say when you talk to yourself that's roughly the title it's yes. by a guy called yes. dr yes. shem halsetter um yes it's not your typical motivational inspi inspirational book it actually gives you step-by-step -step guides on what to say and how to say it yeah yeah, and I think yeah. there's some great exercises in that book. If you if you're struggling with those negative inner thoughts, um, I'm sorry I don't have the correct title, but what you say when you when you talk to yourself <laughs> is, is something like the title it's and it's yeah, yeah, self talk, and that's that's a brilliant thing. The other yes. part of that question was talking yeah. about why do people go to traditional publishers when you can self publish? It's it's typically um, mm. an, an ego thing. Let let me be frank. Yes. One of the hardest difficulties yes. about being a self-publisher is getting yourself into a bookstore. Um, bookstore yes. owners typically won't have you in there unless you've been published by a big name because they believe that uh, the big-time publishers will have um, heavily scrutinised the book. They will um, have edited it yes. um, exceptionally well. The cover will be extremely professional. What's not seemingly yes. apparent to some of these people is that people like myself and you, Tony, we do have professional yes. editors. I've got editors in the United yes. States. I have a, a fantastic editor here in Australia. Um, I yes, get all I my covers. Yeah, you do too. I know you do. We done. Yes. Yeah, we get professionally done covers um, based on research. We know we understand what our categories yes. are requiring, and we get those professionally done. Um, and so we produce a, a high-quality product. 
that can easily compete with that of a uh, of a publishing house. But it's the perception, and therefore it stifles us getting into, into bookstores. But when you're with it a big does. time publisher, you can be in there. And let's be honest, for us readers. Uh, we want to be standing in an airport yeah. like you and I were just doing. You were in Bali. Yes. I was in Singapore, yeah. Singapore until early this week myself. And we want to be able to stand at an airport and go, hey, hey, that's my book. That's my book, you know. Um, book. But yes. it, the world's changing. I've just signed a brand-new contract I would yesterday. agree. And I signed a brand-new contract yesterday with a, a bookstore, Tony, on the Gold Coast where you live. Um, uh-huh. And we're, we're, go- we're going to distribute uh, some of my books into that store, you know, starting next week or the week later. Um, so the world is changing in that aspect as well. Yes, uh, and I'm glad to uh, hear that. Um, uh, more questions coming in. Does Amazon mean self-published? Not necessarily, but I'll not necessarily. Right? There are there are a number of ways. Self-published just basically means that you write a book. You typically write it in uh, what we call Word in a in a Word document, yes. um, and then you upload it to a distribution uh, business. Amazon is by far the biggest in the world. It, it has the most um, uh, read, reader population there. There are hundreds of millions of people looking for books uh, at any one yes. time. Yes. But there are other distributors. There's Barnes Noble. There is um, Kobo. Yes. Um, there are other imprints around from other brands um, throughout the world that mm. will take your books and you can publish I have uh, selected purely to stick with Amazon based on the volume that they provide me. It's a, yes, uh, yes. And, and that, that's the way to go. But no, self-publishing is anything you can do. I mean, you could go out and just print your own books and sell them at, at a book fair or something to that nature if you wanted to do that. Yes. But um, Amazon is, is the distribution outlet. Um, so the next question is, do you have to copyright your work before going to Amazon? So let me interpret that. I think that's a question around editing. Um, do you have to edit your work before going to Amazon? I'll let you answer that, Greg. Well, I, uh, I definitely have everything um, edited. I said initially when I started off as a, uh, yes. as a writer and, you know, funds are tight and you're not sure how it's going to go, I thought I could read my own work, you know, six, seven, eight, ten times and pick up all the mistakes. I quickly learnt that wasn't the case and I got caned heavily for that with a few um, number one ratings. So, yes, having things, editing. Also, I have um, um, a copyright um, clause at the front of all my books that basically says that you can't use or whatever the words. Um, I consult with a lawyer, um, but I've never had any where I've um, yeah. had to, um, you know, try and force a, a rule on that. When I work with other people, let's say I work with a, um, yes. a, a cover designer or something like that, uh, I initially I stand, um, I set up what we call a non-disclosure uh, agreement, an NDA, which basically yes. means they can't use my uh, art designs on any of their other yes. work. So I try mm-hmm. and protect myself mm-hmm. a little bit. Uh, it's probably not foolproof, um, and I'm, yes. I'm probably a, a major number one hitter in, in Bangladesh at the moment, um, and I don't know about it. <laughs> so. Okay. okay. <laughs> More questions coming in. Uh, would you say this would work for an erotic writer as well? 
great question. One hundred and fifty million percent. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's um, the, the, let, let me tell uh, our erotic uh, writer uh, that romance in general is the largest genre on um, on uh, the self-published oil Amazon by by country mark. Crime crime is the the number two uh, genre as far as sales go. Yes. Uh, within romance, yeah. you have so many different areas. You have yes, basically from clean bits. clean right through to whatever. Yes. And erotica, with all its subgenres of the uh, LBGT um, groups and uh, etc., yes. also performs exceptionally well. So if you are an erotic writer, yes. what what I'm go for the, it. The, go for it and get to understand <laughs> how to market is my other key point for you there. Yeah. So you can get, get your books found. Yeah. Yeah. Next uh, question is, uh, so do you have to read your books sequentially? Um, I'll let you answer that. No. No, they're all freestanding. Um, as I said, uh, it's based on volume and, and being able to get books quickly into a market to fill a particular need. What I have done uh, over time is I will grab, let, let's say, four books and I'll put them together and I'll call it a box set and that gives a little bit more volume. So yes. I typically will then take those books to print because they've got a bit of bit more thickness in them, albeit they may be 150, they may be 200 pages uh, plus, um, and but then they yeah. gives the uh, the reader the option to to read them. As I think they've performed very very well. Yes. Um, if you give me two seconds, I, I need to have a a quick brag because it's my best story. Absolutely. Is that back in two back in 2015, in about the middle of the year, July August September time. I boxed the very first four uh, Jack Creed books I, I made. I call it the yes. Detective yeah. Jack Creed uh, box set number one. And I put it into the market. Yeah. It went number one in in Britain and the US for 83 of 90 days straight. But the interesting thing was I outsold, I outsold a guy called Peter James who has sold in excess of 20 million books. I outsold Anne Cleves, who, if listeners understand, she's behind the television series like Vera and Shetland, for example. I outsold um, uh, Jeffrey Archer, uh, who's been a very well-credentialed author in his time. And I even outsold a pre-release by Stephen King within that uh, genre. Now, it was only 83 of 90 90 days, but it's my best one, and I just had to get that yes. little brag out uh, because, um, um, yeah, you can read them a- any way you like, um, but it, it's a kind of a series that goes on, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, more questions coming in. Uh, don't they have self-published books in bookstores? I'll let you answer look, that, Craig. Look, they, they, they do uh, to, some, to some extent, uh, but so it's, it, is, it is more difficult. What I found that in... Uh, regional bookstores in an area. For example, my books, as Tony is aware, are situated yeah. about an hour from where I personally live, probably about uh, half an hour or so from where Tony lives in in, in a yes. state called New South Wales in the northern yes. northern part of the state. Now, bookstores down there, I know, do take on some independent writers uh, who mm-hmm. write books about the local town or something to that kind of nature. Yes. But they don't take a lot on. They might take three or four. When we're thinking of walking into a bookstore and we see a James Patterson novel, you know, yeah. front and centre, um, 
they are obviously produced by the the major publishing houses and you know that's what sells bookstores have got to sell books too um of course and they've got to go yes. for what will sell for them so yes you the answer to your question is yes, there are some, but it's extremely difficult to get in unless you have a, a major it publisher behind you. Extraordinary difficult to get into bookstores yeah. without a publisher behind you. How much do your book sell for? A listener wants to know. If, uh, if they were to go onto Amazon and just put my name in there, C.P. Mitchell, um, you'll find uh, my little author profile and you'll find all my books. Typically, all my short yes. books, all my short reads, uh, in ebook format, sell at ninety nine cents. I will box. How's you know, that, listeners? Ninety nine cents for one of yeah. um, Greg's books. Uh, just type in C T Mitchell into Amazon, and you'll have uh, all his wonderful books to see. Yeah, and um, they can go up to generally two ninety nine, four ninety nine. Yeah. Yeah. So not a not a huge investment for a great little read. Um, one yep. of our listeners said, "This sounds wonderful." You have inspired me. Can people get your books in other countries? And I believe your books are available all over the world, Greg. Worldwide. Worldwide. Here's um, the other benefit for someone being on my uh, on your call today, Tony. If they want to sample um, C.T. Mitchell, all they got to do is go to yes. ctmitchellbooks.com and you'll have a little pop-up that says subscribe to my newsletter. Have no fear about your name being passed around or used or abused or whatever. Merely leave me your name and your email, and you will be given a free ebook to read. Free book. It was also a number a number one bestseller. Um, so you're not getting any rubbish. I'm giving you one of my best. Um, you will get some little emails and from me. Great books. Yeah. Oh, thank thank you. <laughs> and we'll we'll have conversations along the way. You can unsubscribe at any stage. So that's a way to sample me out. You can start with the freebies, and then if you like it, um, you'll be able to find my other books uh, in the round. But they are worldwide, correct? So uh, quickly, we're we're down to our last couple of minutes. So um, would you see your books in uh, books in the millions? You, uh, I'm thinking that they're wanting to know how many books you've sold. Number yep. one. Number yep. two, do you have box sets? And number three, I'm asking so I know I've pulled up the right ones. <laughs> yeah, sure. So um, book sets, uh, that my, my sales are in the hundreds of thousands. Um, I sell yes. uh, multiple thousands per month um, on, yes. on Amazon. Um, uh, the obviously the free book is is the uh, is the biggest seller. Um, it's over over its time. It's yes. been downloaded over a hundred thousand times. Uh, typically on a, on a very good month, cool. there might be about twelve thousand um, sales going through on a yes. month um, on those. But um, yes, I do blocks a lot of the sets. So th you can get things like Detective Jack Cree box set one. You can get another. Yep. Yeah, another book, it's called Dead Set, which is all seven um, Jack Creed books, uh, short reads put into one book. So it's called Dead Set. Uh, yes. You'll get all the yes. seven reads. It's about a 300-odd page read in there. Um, my cozies mm -hmm. are also boxed. So Lady Margaret Turnbull, uh, there's a, a box set out of her called Murder in the District. Um, there's also a couple of other cozies by Kate McKenzie. Uh, there is a box set out of those called Deadly Mix. So I think that takes five or six stories there. So lots there. of box sets. 
There's a lot of box sets, and these take, you know, I've had 60, 70 reviews on these, averaging about 4.5 on those um, cosy boxes. Yeah. So they they seem to be popular enough. And the final question was about, I forgot now, sorry. Uh, Um, Well, I was just going to say, I'm terribly sorry, Greg, and our wonderful listeners. We've been so busy this morning (laughs) that we're just about out of time. So I'm going to have to say thank you so much to our listeners today. What a fabulous session. What wonderful questions. Thank you, Greg, for your time and staying with me all show so that we could get through all of our questions. Now, Greg's website, ctmitchellbooks.com. For all of his books, uh, his email uh, newsletter that will come out and any of the free books that Greg has available, that's ctmitchellbooks.com and I will put that up um, on the chat box. And it's time to go. So thank you, everyone. Thank you so much, Greg, and I'll see you all next week for another Radio Tony. Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty is the new book from Australian author Tony Lontis. Available in paper, ebook, and audiobook formats, Resilience is the true life story of Tony experiencing and surviving trauma, abuse, mental health issues, and the ultimate betrayal of someone she fell in love with. Exposing moral issues you may have dealt with too. Read how hope and happiness triumph in her life. Available at Amazon.com and all good online retailers. Radio Tony, your safe space for tough conversations, exposing secrets and talking about trauma and recovery. Radio Tony, a platform for the unheard. Radio Tony, with Tony Lontis, author of Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty. Radio 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 Tony. Available now on Amazon.com and in all good bookstores. Radio Tony. Back next Thursday from 7pm Eastern Standard Time, live from the Gold Coast, Australia. Mom!